Great. Okay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, and wow, uh, Pastor Martins is back with us again. This is the Voice of Christian Israel, Eurofolk Radio, August 25th, 2019. As usual, we've been in a series on uh, refuting the notion of spiritual Israel, but uh, Pastor Martins has an update on his travels to Namibia, and uh, good day, Pastor Martins, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, Pastor Eli, and also good afternoon to all our listeners across the globe. Yes, what a wonderful experience I've had over the past two weeks. I visited um, the congregation of the physical Israelites, Boer Israelites in Windhoek, mm-hmm. in what used to be German West Africa. And oh, what a privilege okay. it was, Pastor, to, to share with those uh, wonderful people, they were absolutely the, you can say, the icons of uh, hospitality and gracefulness and mm-hmm. friendliness. It was like arriving amongst old family you haven't seen for a long time. Right. Uh, it was just absolutely wonderful and stupendous, the experience to uh, be met by people with so much uh, courteousness. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. what what a wonderful time we had. Of course, I was uh, spending my Sabbath day uh, lecturing, and I think it was about a seven-hour lecturing that I uh, presented. And on the Sunday, it was about a six-hour lecturing. But uh, what a wonderful experience uh, we've had. Uh, and uh, obviously, Pastor, I must tell you this. There was no sign of a spiritual Israel. Uh, Israel. <laughs> well, is, <laughs> it was <Israelitism>. all physical. <laughs> right. They, 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 they could identify with the bloodlines of the mm-hmm. Boers that were the. Yes. Well, they, they, their ancestors were known as the Dorsland trackers. The, uh, the, the those food trackers that uh, went through the. Uh, the the land of thirst that is what it means oh, the Dorsland okay. trackers and yeah. one could see well we, we traveled by <laughs> ich bin durstig I'm I'm thirsty yes <laughs> all right <laughs> but but um, 
they were also known as the bitter einders. Now, the bitter einders means mm. they will go to the utmost end to achieve their freedom. And right. Pastor, what a wonderful experience it was, knowing that these people were not blemished by the Cape Dutch Afrikaner Edomite uh, uh -huh. conspiracy against the Boers. These people were independent for many years, loose from the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, loose from, well, they were under the jurisdiction of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners for quite a number of years. Mm -hmm. And I, I must tell you this, um, on the day that the South African Minister of Foreign Affairs, Pak Bota, now he was, an, he called himself uh, illuminated. Now, obviously, mm. you call yourself illuminated, you it's, remember of the Illuminati was also the right. South African representative at the United Nations for a number of years. He was also the South African ambassador to the United States for a number of years. I think all in total, if I can recall, during the 70s and 80s, he was um, in, in the States for a total of 13 years. He was also a... A, a student of Professor Huntington, you would most probably know of Professor Huntington. Uh, heard of and Pak Bota was the first National Party minister who stated openly that he would be more than happy to uh, serve under a black president. Now, oh, wow. Uh, he, <laughs> yes. Now, now, the day that President or that uh, Pak Bota, uh, of course, I have no tolerance for him whatsoever. I have no condolences for him with his passing not so long ago, but Pak Bota, the day that he signed, now th this is something that I see as absolutely totally significant to the times that we are living in. There was a massive stone formation. I'll send you a picture of it, Pastor. It was called the Markurob of the Murkurob. The finger stone or this well it, it, it re resembled a finger but it balanced on a very small portion of the bottom end of the stone and it was quite tall now i've seen pictures with motor cars that were parked underneath this rock mm -hmm. now the day that Pakwata signed away the the uh, um, guardianship that the south african republic had over the German West Africa that was granted by Germany to South Africa to, to have the jurisdiction or the uh, administrative jurisdiction over German West Africa, uh, that very same day that he signed it over to the United Nations, this massive rock formation just caved in and it fell down. Wow. It is absolutely significant. I think it was... Uh, if one can relate it to, it was the almighty's indication of his indignation with what was happening. Mm -hmm. You hear what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, what? Uh, of course. The, go ahead. The, this this finger rock, uh, I think it was over 100 meters tall. So you can okay. imagine a, a standalone rock mm -hmm. balancing on a very small portion at the bottom. Yeah. Um, it it, it <laughs> has stood for millennia. Right. It had and, to have been. Right. <laughs> since the and, flood, at least. <laughs> since the flood. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I meant with millennia. Four and a half thousand years. Yeah. Now, at the, 
at the very, on the very date that Pakbota signed over this this beautiful country, it is a very desolate country, it is yes. a very scarcely populated country, but there's so much beauty in its desolation. Yeah. It has, um, it, 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 uh, uh, for, for example, the Namib Desert is uh, within its boundaries, and of course there's a massive wealth of diamonds within its uh, right. uh, seashore as well. Uh, and and that is all was right. all traded by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners right. to the, well, to the jury to the Rothschilds right. in exchange for the mercenaries that was the, okay. the half a million mercenaries that were brought against the Boers. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. L let me just interject here because I'm I'm looking yes. at a map and uh, it uh, it shows Botswana to the north of South Africa. And it looks like yeah. Namibia borders South Africa to the west. There's, there's a straight line border to South Africa. And, That's yeah, right. And That's I, I, yeah, and I see the Kalahari Desert is right right in there along the border. And then the, the Namib Desert along the coastline. So what part yeah. of Namibia isn't desert? <laughs> oh, but the Orange well, River flows from South Africa to the southern border of Namibia to the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, that's that gives right. people, okay. All right, now. Well, on, on occasion, uh, on, on my way back to South Africa, we uh, took a trip down towards, we were very close, about four kilometers away from the um, southern border of Namibia, okay. uh, which of course borders on the Orange River. Um, and it w most beautiful, and, and the, the, the scenery is absolutely amazing. Okay. But in this desolation, and, and uh, they're currently uh, an experiencing a major drought for uh, quite a number of years. Mm -hmm. uh, they, there are places in Namibia that haven't seen rain over the past 60 years. Wow. <laughs> to give you an idea. Yeah. And um, now to see the desolation of the country and the, uh, the, the state of the vegetation and the animals, the animals are dying uh, of the drought. Now, um, while I was in Namibia, uh, we also visited a farm, we spent a few days on uh, my host's farm, which is close to Okaandia, which is about an hour and a half's drive from Vintuk. Okay. And um, during our stay there, we had the opportunity to go and drive around in an open-topped uh, ve vehicle. Okay. Uh, as on a game drive, and of course, there, there were many um, uh, deer and buck Right. Uh, for example, impala and uh, springbuck, and right. there was, and there were uh, kudu, and a kudu is a beautiful animal with um, its uh, twisted, its twisted horns. Right. And uh, uh, then okay. there were eland, and uh, but in essence, what I wanted to say is that to see the state of the animals. In during this drought and the way in which these um, friends of mine had to cull their animals, right. their game, I would rather say, mm. purely because of the, the, the ability of the, the land 
not to carry the the animals anymore. So right. we stopped at the at the point where two rivers met, where they the two rivers meet. But what is uh, currently there is just the dry riverbeds with sand, and it was about wow. on one particular point. It was about 150 meters wide, perhaps even wider. And we stood together as a group there, and we called upon the name of Father Yahweh, asking him to open up the sky, skies so that the, yes, yes. And I believe that Father Yahweh is going to bless these people for their. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. In fact, because they worship him, they know him, they know his name, they know that they are yeah. the descendants of the house of Jacob. They have um, uh, uh, rediscovered their identity as the, the chosen race, the chosen people of Father uh -huh. Yahweh. Yes, And amen. they know him. But we've and, been made to be feel ashamed of that fact, right? So yes. we have to overcome that. And get we, back. we have to overcome that. Yes. Well, well in, in South Africa, the Boers are co grossly constrained by the fact that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, um, especially the rightest Cape Dutch Afrikaners, of course, they are the most dangerous to the Boers because right. uh, <laughs> the history shows us that the right, the rightest um, Cape Dutch Afrikaners mm -hmm. sound like us. They yeah. they they. they they presume to be thinking like us. They presume yeah. to be behaving like us. They presume to have the same ideals as us. Pseudo-conservatives. Pseudo-conservatives. Yeah. However, whenever they can, they what we call in Afrikaans, reismir. Now, that is uh, these ants that dig holes into the ground and, and uh, what do you call them? Um, oh. They... they Build these hives, uh, or, yeah, mounds, hives, mounds, whatever you want to like call them. mounds. Yes, but tall mounds because of the heat. These tall mounds extend uh, well a many number feet. of meters. Above. Yeah, many feet above the ground. Yeah, yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. but where they they for example now those are called rice mirror um, uh, um, uh, termites. Oh, okay. And where they where these termites. Build their, uh, I can't call it a hive, but where nest, they build their nest. nest. Yeah, nest, exactly. They, they create uh, cavities in the ground below that. And if you go across um, that, well, if you go across that kind of thing, even if it's an old one that has been become extinct, mm -hmm. um, you will find, for example, that your tractor all of a sudden just uh, <laughs> okay. the ground collapses under the tractor, and and yeah. and, and other swallows words, you up. That is <laughs> right. Yeah, it swallows you up. Now that is the type of thing that we find that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners are continuously doing right. while while they are purporting to be on your side, purporting to mm. be in support of what you stand for. What they do is they race me, they termite yeah. your actions and doings and your whatever you want to do yeah. for their purposes and their sakes. Yes. And uh, they, they exploit what I call the Boer sentiment. They exploit the Boer sentiment for their own devious means and purposes. And I've just discovered again now, um, in 2016, I wrote a, uh, a message to the leader of the 
Freedom Front Party or the Freedom mm -hmm. Front Plus Party, uh, Peter Mulder. I wrote him in a very serious letter about the lies and deception that they have uh, 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 posted Hello. on the UNPO, the Unrepresented People's Organization's website, where in which they present themselves as the Boers, where they present themselves and they say that the Afrikaners, uh, 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 the, the Afrikaners, uh, um, set off on the great trek and the Afrikaners fought right. at the Battle of Bladrava and the Afrikaners established the Boer Republics. How idiot, uh, what the idiot would be, be that? Yeah. Now, after that, they changed the whole thing. Okay. And right. I, didn't, I, I didn't really have time to look at what they changed it to. So this afternoon, I decided to go and have a look. And what I discovered is that they merely changed the words. And these Edomites, the way in which they can assimilate any other nation on the face of this planet. <laughs> right, they like termites. <laughs> like termites. They termites. And, right. and, and into here our they, now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send him a notification again that my actions are now going to go to the, the UNPO as a misrepresentation and a case of cultural mm -hmm. genocide right. against the people. Because that is what it is. Right. I've studied into this cultural genocide thing, uh, and it has this cultural genocide by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners has already started occurring during Jan van Riebeek's days. Now, that right. is in 1657, 1658. Right. I was just going to say, uh, let me interject here, please, uh, because the yes. Cape Dutch Afrikaners stem from the House of Rothschild, uh, a Dutch East India Company. Okay. Yes. They, they were simply employees of the Rothschild. Well, well, there wasn't Rothschilds yet, but the, the Dutch Jewish bankers who created the Dutch East India Corporation. So they were merely businessmen, uh, either uh, many of them Jews, some not quite Jews, but employed by Jews to do business. And part of their job was to. Well, yeah, exactly. Khazarian and some Sephardic Jews as well. Uh, but uh, yes. their job was to exploit the Boer people. They're not, never were the same as the Boer people at any point in history, correct? Correct. They, they didn't stem from the same um, branch of um, the, the descendants or the descendancy of Isaac and Abraham. Right. Uh, of course, the, the Edomites descending from Esau and the uh, Israelites or the Yashraelites descending from the house of uh, Jacob. Now, this, misrepresent, this misrepresentation that they are, or that they have been giving these Cape Dutch Afrikaners has become a very sore point with the Boers, mm -hmm. because the Boers are busy awakening to the fact that they Good. are not Cape Dutch Afrikaners. They, they should be getting angry. That, that, <laughs> right. uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. be because the, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners have been thieving the heritage of the Boers since 1910, the 31st of May 1910, mm -hmm. they've been thieving the heritages of the Boers. Um, like I mentioned to you before, uh, at, at some of these historical terrains where the, uh, or the historical sites where some of the uh, first Cape Dutch Afrikaner Boer War uh, or the first Cape Dutch Afrikaner War against the Boers and the second Cape Dutch Afrikaner War against the Boers 
where these uh, battles took place. They yeah. erected museums, but you can, for example, one of these sites that uh, um, I, I can't recall whether I, I took uh, you there. Freiheit? Freiheit? It was at Dundee, the Talana Museum. Oh, okay. Right. There, there is a large building that gives homage or that pays homage to Mahatma Gandhi. Right. Yet, yet you cannot buy a Boer memorabilia mm -hmm. at the kiosk which is on that site. Right. In other words, you cannot buy a Boer uh, a flag, uh, nothing. There's, uh, it, uh, there's more uh, uh, homage paid to Mahatma Gandhi on that Boer commemoration site right. than you can uh, find a Boer right. uh, commemorative items yeah. in that uh, well, case. Well, now and I remember, really yeah, you took me to several grave sites and pointed out, uh, showed me the names of the Boer people that had you know, died and were buried there, or at least if they didn't have their bodies there, they, their names the, were, were placed yes. there on the monument. And everywhere yeah. I looked... It was nothing but Freemasonic symbolism. So it's yes, obvious that the, the Freemasons are the ones who put up this uh, these monuments, and they're using these monuments to trick the world, yeah. and especially the Boer people, into believing that the Freemasons, who are ca primarily Cape Dutch Afrikaners, are the same as the Boer people, and they are not. Exactly. But you, you must remember that the uh, Cape Dutch Afrikaners um, with, well, the, the, the Freemasonry was bought, brought to the Cape by a Dutchman. And the Freemasonry, um, the, the Afrikaner dominant, the Afrikaner churches is rife with Freemasonry. In fact, uh, I think I will post you a, a picture that I had taken of, um, a, a photos that I had taken of a local Dutch Reformed church. And all the satanic symbolism in this church decorate, de decorative finishing even the the birth canal of the uh, queen of the heavens mm -hmm. uh, the main door when you when you enter right. this door uh, the, the, the doors are shaped in the uh, in in the shape of a a female vulva mm -hmm. and uh, even with the pubic hairs, it, it is just a, an, an atrocity to call this the house of God. Right, and, and this is and this it's is a free the way Masonic temple. Take, right, it's a Freemasonic temple through mm -hmm. and through. In fact, in 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 um, the early nineteen eighties, I read a book on Freemasonry that was written by a Freemason, and this Freemason marvelled at the fact that the most popular uh, uh, um, the the office or what he termed as the uh, office where they actually could uh, graft or draft new members for the Freemasonry was the entrance hall, halls of the churches. Now, he also stated that approximately 86% of all the Dutch Reformed ministers in South Africa are Freemasons. Hmm. And it is, one can clearly see this, all the symbolism uh, that is similar between the Freemasonry and the Cape Dutch Afrikaner churches. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Yeah, and there and and the Jews admit in their own writings that they're the ones who created Freemasonry. So all of yes. these Freemasons are Judeos uh, through and through. And uh, yes, and and, uh, and uh, Albert Pike, who was the head of Freemasonry in America, said Lucifer is the god we worship. <laughs> so okay. Well, he was openly. He, Albert Pike was openly about it. Well, in his book Morals and Dogma, he also wrote about Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah, right. But uh, they still worship Lucifer, <laughs> even though they, they know. They worship Lucifer. Yeah, but right. they acknowledge they acknowledge Yahweh as the true God. The the. Uh, however, they they worship Lucifer openly. He, he describes it even um, the various rituals that they do is is all Luciferian. Right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Nimblehorse quotes Rabbi Isaac Meyer Wise: Freemasonry is a Jewish establishment whose history, grades, official appointments, passwords, and explanations are Jewish from beginning to end. Unquote. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That's a well, what statement. I wanted to say, mm-hmm. what I wanted to say, Pastor, if uh, you know of um, uh, people from your country that would like to visit uh, these safari farms uh-huh. in Namibia, uh, what a wonderful opportunity! Because uh, the prize, the prize. Um, uh, 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 what, what do you call it? The 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 uh, the, the the prize uh, of Namibia. Uh, well, well, the the curios, not the curios, rather the the uh, mementos, uh, the head, memorials. Uh. The, they had well, uh, people who come to Namibia very often. They come to hunt, okay, and then they take the the. The head and the horns of the animal. All oh, right, the stuffed and animals. The hide and, yeah, the, yeah, the, the yes. hunt prizes, whatever you want to call them, right? Stuffed animals. Yes. Yeah. Um, Stuff, yeah. I've forgotten what the name is, but yeah. Um, what an opportunity because the the absolute the, the the animals which they normally hold back, not to to uh, have them hunted. Yeah. Uh, so they won't be exterminated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they have no option at this stage but to make these available also to hunters to officially come and hunt these um, these beautiful these prized animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I I was awarded with a a um, uh, 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 the horn mm-hmm. of a kudu. Which was a prize horn. It's, it's um, that's sure. my shofar. I, I, I've been right. presented. <laughs> I've been presented with a shofar, exactly. and my shofar is sounded here in my hometown on Sabbath, the breaking of Sabbath and the end of Sabbath. What a okay. wonderful opportunity! Nice. At, at least my hometown knows that uh, the right. shofar is blown. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll put feelers out there to see if we get a safari together. <laughs> From the, from the USA, yes, it would be a wonderful thing to do, but probably quite expensive. So uh, yeah, we'll see if something like that could be arranged. You know, if, if Yahweh wants us to, we, he can arrange that. But let me ask yeah. you, since you know, we're, since we're so far into the show already, let's talk yeah. about that area. You know, it used to be called, as you said earlier, Southwest Africa. And yeah. I see from the map here, there's a highway going from Cape Town to Windhoek which must be yes. the capital, okay? 
Ubuntu and, is the capital, yes. Yeah, and very much like California, California is uh, Southern California to even, you know, you have to really go to Northern California before you get any uh, thing that's not desert. Southern California yes, well, is all desert, you know, and so how is this route uh, that you drove? Uh, no, I didn't drive from Cape Town, Pastor. I oh. drove through the, well, through the the um, Great Karua, um, it, it, it took me on a route to Beaufort West. If you have the map, you can see Beaufort West. Okay. And then from Beaufort West to Prisca to Uppington. Hmm. And so I entered at um, uh, uh, um, the border post, which is called Narkop and Ariams Flay. Mm-hmm. Now, Ariam's Flay is very close to the border. Narkop is of quite a number of kilometers still from the border. Okay. But um, uh, then, of All course, right. that route takes you to Karasberg, to Grunau. And uh, the thing about the towns in uh, Namibia, uh, if you want to travel from one town to the next, you travel 225 kilometers before you get to the next town. Right. Yeah, so yeah. the the... the the towns are very space well, very far in between. Uh, are, are there um, gas stations in each one of these towns? <laughs> in, in the towns, yes, but nothing in between. The, yeah. In the towns, there are gas stations. Right. Okay. But, uh, you hope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But, but, okay. but at Grenau, there's, there's a point where the, the road from Karasburg actually joins the road, the main road, that comes from Cape Town all the way o- over the, what they call Noordover, and uh, that crosses the Orange River, right. and then inter- entering uh, Namibia, and then at Grunau, the two roads meet, and it gar- carries on northward, okay. uh, past the Kitman's Orange River. River Oriental. Yeah, now, yes. uh, how was the Orange River doing? Uh, are you aware of any reduction of flow regarding this uh, drought? How did it look? Did uh, it look? The, Go ahead. The, the, the beauty of it, there was quite a high rainfall on South Africa's side of um, uh, in, the, in the catchment area of the Orange River and the Vaal River. So the Orange River at the moment is uh, has a very good flow. It's, it's the river itself. The Orange River flows, but it is a uh, the feed from the Drakensberg and the Transvaal and the Free State. Okay. However, South Africa. The, the, is, yes. On that okay. South Africa side, but on on uh, Namibian side, um, they uh, because of the distances of the the um, the towns apart, uh, their only sources of water is uh, dry dams at the moment, and they have mm. wells from where they feed, right? Where, where they pump water over um, into the towns, etc. And now also the farms or the farmers also have uh, wells that uh, most probably go down 150, 200 meters into the ground before they have water. Wow. So by the same token, the more water that you uh, extract out of wells, the the more the water level, table, uh, yeah. the, the, the water table uh, Sinks, drops. And right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, a itself is um, uh, amongst or is located in in an area which is quite hilly or mountainous. Uh-huh. Not really mountainous, but hilly. And okay. uh, 
they have they have good water in Vintuk, but they also are very uh, well. It's a total restriction of uh, you know the use of water. Right, I'll bet. Uh, you can't use water, normal water for washing the car, etc. Yeah, or taking a shower. Uh, <laughs> right, you have to use dirty water yeah. to take a shower. <laughs> Non-potable <laughs> water, as we say here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's very interesting uh, because yeah, that's very similar to the climate of California. For whatever reason, yeah. the wind's blowing off the ocean. You would expect it'd be wet, expect, but, but uh, the rain doesn't fall until you get past the mountains in California. That's well, well, why yeah, the Rockies, that's where well, abundant rainfall occurs. Back to you. Yes. Um, Pastor, the, the whole thing about the uh, on the western side of uh, the continent, you have the cold Benguela stream. That's the sea stream, the sea current. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, of course, with the prevailing winds, in, in the morning, early in the mornings, you will have, for example, um, dew and, and mist, fog. But uh, th there's not, not uh, enough fog in, or uh, moisture in, in the air. And, of course, with the hot desert, you find that the... Uh, there's no precipitation of the 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 once the sun comes up the the mist disappears very rapidly, and uh, but it, it, there's no or the rainfall itself is very low in spite of the fact that the surface might be damp uh, and might get damp overnight every night, mm -hmm. uh, the rainfall itself is very low. Right. Um, okay. But but something I wanted to say is. Uh, if you go further north uh, to the towards Angola, um, the rainfall over uh, November, December, January, February, March is very high. I, I okay. think uh, some of the, the those areas receive a higher rainfall than uh, right. even places like Natal in mm -hmm. South Africa, which of course has a very high level. Yeah. Again, uh, very much similar to California. You have to go really far north in yes. California. To get significant rainfall, and then once you get up to into Oregon and Washington, Washington yeah. has the world's only uh, uh, temperate zone rainforest. So it almost never Whoa. stops raining there, <laughs> right? Is it's that Okefenokee? No, no, no. That's that's the Florida. That's that's a swamp. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. Uh, of course, yes. Okefenokee is uh, the yeah. swamp. But uh, I'm thinking of uh, way back in the the north. Um, yeah, well, uh, Seattle, say, Seattle is the northwestmost uh, city yes. in America, yes. right? Yeah, and at Mount uh, uh, Mount Hood, I believe, is the uh, big uh, uh, mountain there. I'm, I forget now uh, exactly. I, I was stationed That's there. That's in the at, Rockies. Yeah, oh, well, it's way west of the Rockies. Way west of the Rockies. Way west of the Rockies. Yeah, okay. right. So yeah, you still have an, uh, almost another thousand miles from the uh, yeah. Rockies to the to the seacoast. You know, America is a big country. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, but uh, now with this geography lesson, uh, let's talk about the history of Southwest Africa and the German presence there. How did yeah. Southwest Africa become? German property and what was the politics because I know there was a war when the British sent the troops down uh, to make war against the Boer people the Germans of Southwest Africa supported the Boer people uh, maybe you can explain to our listeners how that all transpired Pastor I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Is that too big a topic for today? <laughs> uh, boss, yes. Well, um, the, the, if you can recall when you visited South Africa, I took you to meet with um, General Mani Maritz's son. Right. Uncle Mani Maritz. Yes. Now, um, you, you know he passed away um, last year. Okay, yeah. Actually, uh, I think this is the first I've heard of it, but it was really a really great pleasure to meet with him and speak with him. Uh, yes, absolutely. We yes. Yeah. Of, of course, he, him, himself, he himself uh, was also an icon of um, wrestling. He, he was a world champion wrestler. Okay. Um, and you can recall he, he presented my son with a book about his life, uh-huh. um, yes, which which I absolutely adored of him. It, it was yeah. a wonderful gesture of his yes. to present that book to my son. It's a great, mem- and, great uh, memento, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. W- what an opportunity we've had. But uh, what I wanted to say is that um, um, General Marnie Maritz, with the, there were a number of a whole sequence of events after the thirty the thirty first of May nineteen ten. Mm-hmm. Now you will remember we've spoken about the convention that they've had in terms of the formation of the Union of South Africa. Right. Now there were a number of events that actually occurred after that. First of all, the major event was on the thirty first of May. 1910, the Trojan horses of the Cape Dutch Afrikaner Freemasonry, Jan Smuts and Louis Boerta, took control of the Boer republics as well. In other words, they were, they were um, Trojan horses for the purpose of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners doing a state capture of the Boer republics. Right. And okay, that is yeah. what occurred. Yeah, let me just interject here quickly for... Uh, the listeners who are not familiar with the subject, the Union of South Africa was proposed to the Boer people as a, uh, a furtherance or a guarantee that the Orange Free State and uh, Transvaal would remain independent. But that, uh, well, that, that was just a, a, a carrot they were dangling in front of the Boer people, which they yeah. promptly reneged on. Back to you. Well, the, the important thing was that um, it was promised uh, during the, the peace accord that was drafted uh, after the Second Anglo-Boer War, or which is yeah. more correctly called the Cape Dutch Africana yeah. War against the Boers. Yeah. Now, at, War, the Boer War. Yeah, at, at the peace accord, it was agreed that the, to, to present that period where, with which the the uh, heat of the war would be calmed and would be uh, 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 cooled down. Right. It would remain that the, the two Boer republics would, and, and of course also the Cape Colony and also Natal, would remain um, under the control of the British um, uh, for a period of time. And the control of the Boer republics was handed back to the Boers in 1908. Now, at the end of 1908, the, the convention... Uh, to establish whether a union could be formed mm-hmm. was presented. But what the Boers didn't realize at the time, that the decision was already made by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, by the Freemasons, 
and by the the right. the representatives of Natal. Now the re representatives of Natal were English, but the representatives of the Cape were, of course, Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Right. And one of one of these representatives was uh, one of my favorite topics to <laughs> talk about, and that is Onse Jan Hofmeyer. Okay, right. The Cape Dutch Afrikaner, son of the Grand Master of the Lodge of the Cape of Good Hope. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and one of the biggest instigators. That's where you used to live, too, right? You used to live in yes, Cape Town, right? absolutely. Yeah. Not far from but, there. But, okay. But this Onse Jan Hofmeyer was solely one of the biggest instigators of the enticement and the incitement of the British to the to the wars. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, Hofmeyer. Sending Hofmeyer. Uh, yeah. Onse Jan Hofmeyer. Yeah, now, he was also as a, a rock star, as I take it, right? <laughs> uh, well, to that, to, to not the Onse Jan Hofmeyer, Onse Jan Hofmeyer's brother, uh -huh. Whom was a, whom was a Dutch Reformed minister. Ah. Now this Dutch Reformed minister was the one that had the, the fly problem, the <laughs> open fly problem. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, it it was discovered that he had, uh, intimate, uh, affairs with a number of the females in his Dutch Reformed congregation. Okay. And uh, yeah. now, like from, like, from like Reverend this, Jesse Jackson had a, had that problem too. <laughs> well, okay, he's, he's grand, this this rock star that you spoke about has exactly the same problem. Oh, okay, but <laughs> right. my grandfather like son. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like grandson. But there you go. Yeah. But what what I could establish is that um, this this rock star is in a long line of a family line of Freemasonry and he himself is also Freemason. Mm -hmm. Now um, many people don't like me saying that and I've had the I've, I've, I've been at the crosshairs or the curses of many a female mm -hmm. who told me that I that have been telling me that I am only jealous because I cannot sing. <laughs> but <laughs> well I yeah. Better to be an unsinging uh, Christian than a singing Freemason. <laughs> well, Pastor, the, the reality of this is what would it serve if everybody was a good singer? Right. But but yeah. my singing is good enough for me, and I know it's good enough for Father Make Yahweh. Make a joyful noise. <laughs> that's all Absolutely. he asks of us. <laughs> yeah, that's all he asks of us. Very good. Okay, but so this, uh, back, getting back to how the Germans got involved... And, uh, yes, you know, now, okay. Now, this Onsi Jan um he enticed the British into the to the wars against the Boers. His brother, in in, in fact, this the, the the whole Hofmeyer family were very close friends with Cecil John Rhodes. Okay, and we've spoken about Cecil John ah, Rhodes on numerous oh, occasions. Yes, right. And and Onsi Jan Hofmeyer, yeah, total secret. Yes, Onsi Jan. Yeah. Yeah. Onse Jan Hofmeyer also was the chairman of the Afrikaner Bond. Mm -hmm. This Afrikaner Bond was a an instrument of deception from its very concept conception. 
Right. If you can understand what I'm saying. Yeah, it's an instrument of deception right, right from its conception. Yeah. Now, this instrument of deception was marketed very successfully by Onse Jan Hofmeyer with President F.W. Reitz, the president of the Orange Free State, who was also a Freemason. Oh, wow. And President F. Yes, President F.W. Reitz, uh, he was... He actually motivated the marketing of this Afrikaner bond amongst oh, okay. the generals of the Boers in the Free State in the Transvaal and also amongst the general Boers, those who inhabited the farms yeah. and those that inhabited the towns. Yeah. Now, the, yeah. by, by enrolling these uh, Boers into the Afrikaner bond, Onse Jan Hofmeyer actually presented this to the British Parliament and said, look here, even these Boers agree with me, they have joined me in this yeah. Afrikaner bond, and they are in agreement that these, well, he didn't say these lies and deceptions that I'm presenting right, yeah. to you, he said, these ideas, but he, <laughs> proposals, but, but right. those things that he presented to the Parliament of Britain uh, were actually concocted lies and deceptions, but he used, and, and of course, with those uh, Boers, many of those Boers were also drafted into Freemasonry, because once you have st uh, stepped the line into secret societies, mm -hmm. like the Afrikaner Bond was, the Afrikaner Bond was an opening for them to become members of the Freemasons. Right. And this created a massive uh, kloof, a massive barrier amongst many of the Boer generals and the Boer, Boers yes. themselves, the members in the commando. So by the time that the war had broken out, the war was declared. Uh, and of course, it was declared by the Trojan horse, Jan Smuts, whom was planted amongst the Boers in the Transvaal mm -hmm. for the purpose of uh, channeling everything on the Boers side towards an, an open confrontation and a war with Britain. Right. So, from both sides, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners were in control and they were uh, desperately in need of a war against the Boers mm -hmm. for the purpose now, of taking their territory. What I wanted, yeah, they, they wanted well, all that territory that. for gold, diamonds, oil, that. what have you. Yeah. More than that, hear what I'm saying now. There were 47,000 Boers in total. That was the total number of Boers that were fighting ready. Uh-huh. How many people did they bring? How many professional soldiers did the British Empire bring into the, the, the conflict with the Boers? quarter of a million, right? Over half a million people, half, half a, a million. million soldiers. Okay. Half a million. So it, it was more than 11 to 1 because uh, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners accounted for more than 50,000 in other words, there were more Cape Dutch Afrikaners on the British side of the war than mm. there were Boers in total. Right. Right. So you can see that the, 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 the objective was not just to take control of the Boers' lands, but the objective was actually to annihilate, to totally Absolutely. genocide the Boers. And that was when they couldn't, well, they, they couldn't achieve that on the battlefield. Because the Boers were outrunning them, the Boers were outshooting them, the Boers were virtually right. in control of every 
just a few boors. Yeah, uh, and let, had, me, let, me, had, uh, let me stop you right here because the fact is that the Boers only had a militia. They did not have a standing army. And the same principle exactly. has brought America into existence. The Israelite, this is a biblical principle. And uh, this is, we're talking about Esau's hatred of Jacob Israel, uh, headed by the Rothschilds, yes. the Edomites, their hatred of Jacob Israel. It's, it's, it's obvious to me going through this history, yes. that the Rothschilds knew that the Boer people were the descendants of Jacob Israel and therefore yes. had to be exterminated. That's Esau's hatred yes. for Israel. Back to you. We, we, well, that is exactly the purpose, what their purpose was with the two world wars as well. That's right. They would, they would have two, uh, um, two countries in which the uh, descendants of the house of Jacob reside, that they would actually create a conflict between those two countries mm -hmm. Yes, and they would have Israelites fighting on both sides. That's right, and that is that is yeah, exactly yeah. what happened with the Anglo-Boer War, or the Cape Dutch Africana Wars against yeah, the yeah. Boers. Okay, because well, we <laughs> yeah, we only have about ten minutes left. So, you know, how did the Germans get involved in all of this? You know, <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> the, the the Germans actually annexed the uh, Southwest Africa. I think it was not much later after the uh, annex, not the annexation, but the the uh, um, uh, the time of Jan, uh, Jan uh, van Riebeek arriving in the Cape. Uh, the Germans um, uh, annexed German West Africa, which is today called Namibia. Uh -huh. Now, uh, because of the uh, the vast country and the, um, in, uh, one would say, the uninhabitable uh, conditions in the country, it was, it has always been a very sparsely populated country. Right. Now, the Germans, the Germans had control of the country for um, quite a number of years. I think it was about 240 years. And then came the, the uh, period of time when um, the, uh, the, the 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 war the first Anglo or the first world war um, just after the formation of the Union of South Africa the uh, when the f um, Britain declared war against Germany okay. I, I mean I mean the, yeah, then the first world war erupted yeah the first world yeah, war the first erupted. world war erupted in spite yeah. of the fact that um, the the uh, every, every Germany had taken every um, every manner of of evasion of uh, a no, war erupting. Yes, uh, exactly. Uh, yes. But in in any case, then General Marnie Maritz, of course, Jan Smuts, then not by decision at the time, but by uh, careful manipulation and planning of the whole event uh, of the Union of South Africa. Uh, he announced that uh, the Union of South Africa would uh, go into the war on the British side. Wow. Now, now yeah. one must remember that... Um, be not unequally Smuts, yoked. Be not unequally yoked with yes. unbelievers. Now, now, that had so many other Boers up in arms because they uh, revolted. They had a yeah, rebellion against... the Germans the, were their kinsmen. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They, the ancestors were Germans. In fact, they were still Germans, and the language that they were speaking was called Dietz, mm -hmm. which, of course, is a, a, a slang way of saying the Deutsch. Uh, uh, 
Deutsch. Yes. So, so uh, General Mani Maritz, among or uh, along with uh, a number of other of the Boer generals, decided to go into rebellion against the state. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, then General Mani Maritz uh, and a number of his commandos or his members of his commando uh, went across to German West Africa and they signed a treaty with German West Africa. Of course, German West Africa, the, the people in, uh, in, in, in Germany were also descendants of the House of Jacob. So sure. uh, there's no problem with the signing of a treaty with uh, their your co- yeah, yeah, With their own kinsmen. Right. So with that treaty being signed, uh, they assisted Germany in, in uh, 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 resistance against the Union um, uh -huh. government soldiers right and um, so, so no, uh, no, no sooner was the ink still wet on the union of south africa than war erupted and many of the Boer people had to take up arms against the union that was forced upon them deceitfully well pastor i would i would think that uh, it was orchestrated by the freemasonry and the illuminati sure um the because there were two wars. The first war, the first war against the Boers, these Cape Dutch Afrikaners and the British Empire did not expect the outcome, which was, and that was, that it took the Boers only ten weeks to get to get rid of over two hundred and seventy thousand right. um, British Empire yeah, soldiers. Uh, soldiers, mercenaries. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, and um, the the Cape Dutch Afrikaners were so afraid that the secret of the conspiracy that they had conspired against the Boers would come out that they immediately stopped by uh, enticing. In, in fact, they even went to America. Uh, this Onsi Jan Hofmeyer went to America to have public speeches to entice the, the American public into uh, uh, yeah. nudging the American government into coming to yeah, into the uh, annex the Boer republics. Right. Yeah. Well, this was to annex World the World republics. This is during be, World because, War One, correct? No, that was um, uh, in 1880. Oh, okay. Oh, in, in laying the groundwork for all this. Okay, I see. That's right. That was laying the groundwork because after Britain did not succeed in subjugating the Boers right. to the British, because you must remember that the. the as the colonists or the uh, the Cape Colony being part of Britain, they uh, they had this idea that if Britain would colonize the Boer republics, that they would take be able to take control of the Boer yes. republics, which of sure. course they did. Yes. But um, the the concoction of deception and deceit and the lies and the misleadings and backstabbing, <laughs> right? Backstabbing. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned to you before, most of the representatives of the Boer republics were Cape Dutch Afrikaners or Englishmen. Yeah. Or, or, and, and Freemasons. And course, One and or Freemasons. Both. Yeah. Yes. Mm hmm. So, amazing. So this, yeah. Well, so this is why is, this is why we should not import people from other countries to be our representatives. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, I've been yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been waging this war against the Cape Dutch Afrikaners for the past five years. 
there's no way that an Afrikaner is ever to again negotiate for and on behalf of the Boers uh, in, in any form or way Amen. whatsoever. Right, and, right. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, busy setting up a whole and staging right. a whole action, a course of okay. action to uh, bring the Cape Dutch Afrikaners yes, to task yes. on Yes, uh, Praise Yahweh for that. Uh, let me just kind of summarize this because the same thing happened at the Versailles Treaty where Jew, Jew banksters... And Jew Freemasons mm. took it upon themselves to declare peace at Versailles, and they carved up Europe and the Middle East and other countries, whatever country they may have had control of at the time, and uh, in yeah. the name of the peoples of those countries, created new countries and took control of those countries. Yes. It's exactly the same yes. thing the Jews did to South Africa, to the Boer people. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely, Pastor. Um, the the control that they have, of course, they went for the golden diamonds at first, but they ended up with all the um, uh, all the riches, mm. the treasure chest of the Boer republics, ended up in the hands of the uh, international jewry That's at right. the Rothschilds. Yes, and it is because the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, their uh, agreement with the Rothschilds was yeah. the Rothschilds could have the wealth. Of the, mm-hmm. the the land, the the uh, minerals, right. and they would be uh, the occupiers. Yeah, and and the Cape Dutch Afrikaners would be the managers of that. And right. That is exactly. exactly what they are. Middle management. <laughs> the middle right. management. And the Boer people are, are the slaves working for the middle but, management. Yeah. But here's the other thing about this uh, old thing, Bosa. Uh-huh. While while the Cape Dutch Afrikaners sent their children to universities to go and uh, get themselves degrees, the Boers were sent to the uh, to Europe to go and fight the wars that the right. Rothschilds and the Jews had created. Yeah, yeah or to the mines so, to work as slaves after being dispossessed. Now, when, okay. now when, when the right, Boers... No, well, we, we have less than a minute left. So we're, we're okay. going yeah, to have to drop it at this point. But a very outstanding geography and history lesson today about the Boer people versus the Cape Dutch Afrikaners and their allies, the Rothschilds and Freemasons. So thank you very much, Pastor Martins. And we can talk about this more next week. Okay. All right. Take care. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We have to call it quits right now. We could go on for more, several hours on this. This is fascinating history. Absolutely. Take care and Yahweh bless. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh.